what day is it friday Oh, yeah, Friday. We always drop on Friday, so that would make sense. It is Friday, February 19th. Thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of 10,000 Pitches presented by our friends at Stimulus Athletic. If you are a soccer, baseball, basketball, even Ultimate Frisbee Club, and you're kind of looking for, okay, who's going to make our jerseys this year? Who is going to outfit us with quality on-field court, off-field court apparel, Look no further than Stimulus Athletic. It's such an easy process, and they provide you with quality fabrics, quality merchandise, quality uniforms, jerseys, sweatshirts, pants, like whatever you need to outfit your club. Stimulus can do it, and they do it with quality, quality apparel at very affordable prices. Jason and the team at Stimulus are so awesome. They work with the likes of Minneapolis City, Dynamo FC, St. Cloud, Livonia FC in Michigan, so many more great clubs locally and nationwide utilize Stimulus Athletic for their apparel, and you should too. So go to StimulusAthletic.com, click that, that Design tab, click that Get Started button. If you already have a design, maybe you have a designer, maybe you are a designer, and you already kind of had the look you want, that's fine. Stimulus can bring it to life. If you don't already have a design, that is fine too because Stimulus has an awesome design team. And when I say awesome, I mean an awesome design team that can hook you up with the look you need, again, on quality, quality jerseys and apparel. So go to StimulusAthletic.com, click that design tab, click that get started button, and make sure you let them know that Jeremy from 10,000 Pitches sent you. All right, here we go. Welcome, welcome, welcome in. It's another edition of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. What's going on? Jeremy Russian hanging out with you. And of course, we're presented by Stimulus Athletic. Visit StimulusAthletic.com to outfit your club with quality game gear and apparel at affordable prices. Yes, 37 episodes now. Thank you so, so much for tuning in and uh, helping us make it this long. You know, a lot of podcasts fizzle out after 10, 15, 20 episodes. So the fact that we are still going strong now at episode 37, uh, it's a testament to uh, to you guys, the soccer community and the listeners for continuing to stick with us this long. Also, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review the podcast. All of those are very huge. Subscribing lets you know when we drop a new episode, if it's not at that normal Friday morning time. And of course, rating and reviewing is huge for our placement on those platforms you can also follow us on all the socials facebook twitter instagram we're at 10k pitches recent interviews have been pretty darn good if i do say so myself had bateau fc's josh ramped johnny Zhang, and david ripplinger on just last week uh minneapolis city and McAllister college assistant coach and gopher women's soccer alum tori burnett on a couple weeks ago and then a few weeks back great conversation with twin city soul futsal chief visionary officer mario wemberly just a few of the great great interview guests that we have had on this podcast recently so go back through and listen to those those episodes and more if you haven't this week great great conversation with equal time soccer's matt pravratsky talking about everything local college soccer as the gophers kick off this weekend uh and then we have a d2 and d3 kicking off a little bit later on the spring as well so great conversation with him about all of those topics uh, all the latest women's college soccer headlines and previews across the state but right now i'm welcomed as always by mr ethan brandt ethan how you doing bud hello hello uh good to be back how are you doing I'm good. I'm good. You look like you sound a little bit better than normal. You sound a little bit more clean. Like you're not holding a uh, a 
I uh, earbud microphone right to your mouth every time you talk. Well, uh, you know, thanks to 10K selling out and going corporate, uh, you know, there's a little extra room in the in the budget to uh, to get Ethan a mic. Um, yeah, I just said my name in third person, but, <laughs> but yeah, you know, glad I'm sounding better. Um, right. I I ultimately think this boiled down to like not necessarily sound quality, but um, when we were recording before, I would have to hold the the like the earbud microphone up for, you know, the hour or whatever that we're recording and my arm would get tired, but now I have a tripod. So it's to work out. Nothing wrong with a little extra arm workout. Just do switch arms to make sure you're doing it. You had the equal, equal weight distribution there. No, never did. That was, that was another problem. I, you know, just felt off balance the whole time. Uh, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Ethan, what have you been up to this week, man? Uh, you know, much like everyone just trying to stay, trying to stay warm. Um, you know, weirdly though, uh, the room, the room that I'm in within like my house, uh, gets, gets really warm. So I've, I've cracked the window here and there. Um, my window's open right now, actually. And like, it's, uh, it's comfortable. I remember my freshman year of college, our door. So I was in one of like those really old dorm buildings. And so they had like the old school, like furnaces. And so like in the winter, they would crank those things and it'd be like, 80 degrees and it felt like 80 degrees in these dorm rooms so we would have to crack the window and there was one day there was one night where it was like we called it snowpocalypse because it literally snowed probably like 13 inches and but it was so hot in the dorm that i had to like crack my window for like 10 second intervals to keep the room somewhat cool but it was snowing like 14 inches outside we got some snow in the in the dorm, but it was worth it to not not burn up. So, I I I gotta believe that happens at most dorms in the Midwest. The what feels like ninety degrees followed by a, a cracked window, and then waking up to like really wet floors because all the snow. <laughs> yeah. um, You're covered we, in snow when you wake up. Right, we did the same thing because yeah, you you just have to, and and you know like. You know, you're, you're, you're an 18 year old in college. Your mom can't tell you to close the window. It it feels good. You feel independent, you know? Yeah. A little self-independence there, but, uh, yeah, uh, it's been cold, but I guess it's going to warm up. I guess we're going to be in like the forties next week or like reach 40 next week here in Minnesota, at least. So that'd be nice. Uh, pretty excited about that because we've been cooped up in the house for the last few weeks and the no. new house, the, new, the house. new house, you know, it is a new house. It's a lot more spacious, but still cabin fever is cabin fever, no matter how, which way you slice it. So, uh, we have a nice little oh. flooding hill in our backyard too, that we really haven't a chance to get like to utilize that much. So, uh, be nice to get out there. We're also like within driving distance of like the park here in cottage Grove. And there's a really nice, huge sledding hill there too. So, uh, it'd be nice to actually, we we've, we've gone down there once, but it'd be nice to actually do that a little bit more consistently when it's not 20 below with the wind chill outside do you uh do you ski or like snowboard or i you... snowboarded like for a winter when i was a kid i've never skied in my life so yeah i'm i'm not a fan i i hate the idea of being at the mercy of gravity in the form of like a hill just yanking you down it just it, it's not fun 
being six foot five and super uncoordinated gravity does not work in my favor. So I feel your pain there. I, that's the last thing I need is, is me to rely on my own athleticism to keep myself upright because there's not much of it there. And, and then on top of that, you, you're, you got to bob and weave through, through everyone else that's fallen on the way down. That's as well. why I never kept snowboarding. Cause I couldn't turn, like I could go straight and stay, but as soon as I needed to like veer the slightest bit, one way or the other, I was, I was down and I just could never get it. Yeah. I have, I have no concept of how to like do that snow or ski successfully. I did it one time. I hated it. I like sleds though. Sleds are fun. Sleds, tubes. You ever been tubing? Tubing, tubing is a lot of fun as well. Yeah. And I think the best part of tubing is they have the infrastructure of like the, the, the thing that pulls you up, like the, like the track or the yeah. rope you hold onto. Yeah. So it's a lot less work to like get up. And, yeah. and I, I'm very pro that. I'm really <laughs> the least amount of work possible. That's for sure. Yeah. Last time we went sledding our, one of our daughters wanted to like go on like a walk. And we're like, why? Why do you want to go? Like, she wanted to like go to the playground. I'm like, it's covered in snow. It's 25 degrees. What are you doing? Let's go sledding. She's like, no, I want to go to the playground. So we had to like drag the sleds to the playground. It was then just to spend all of three and a half minutes there and then go back to the sledding hill. So yeah, kids, I know, right? Unbelievable. Just the, <laughs> the nerve, I the know. absolute nerve. All right, transitioning away from snowboards, sleds, tubes skis other winter type sports uh to virtual sports 2021 lower league e-cup getting down to the nitty-gritty here ethan uh but before we actually get into this the matches that have happened uh, a number of matches of course have unfortunately been postponed due to winter storm viola which is impacting most of the southern u.s uh, unless you're living under iraq you know uh how badly places like texas and some of those other southern states have been hit with uh, unexpected snow, ice, record cold temperatures. So um, obviously our thoughts go out to everybody impacted down there. Um, and hopefully those matches, uh, hopefully we can kind of get power back on and things moving in the right direction. So those matches can take place uh, sooner rather than later. But uh, Ford Madison and Evan Warwick were able to advance. Uh, they face the winner now of Saturday night's Minneapolis city, Louisiana crew matchup. If you want to watch that, that's eight 30 on Saturday. That's in the Xbox premier division. Uh, and that is a quarterfinal matchup. So Ford Madison could play Minneapolis city in the semifinals. If the crows are able to advance. Uh, it is unfortunate that stuff's gotten postponed. Um, I'm looking at the, the, the official Twitter account of the lower league e cup, uh, at lower league e cup. And, um, I see, uh, two logos that are really nice. Labara 608 and space United football club. Those just stood out to me and I wanted to, I wanted to mention those. Yeah. So Labara 608 forward Madison supporters group, uh, they're going to be playing in the Xbox second division final on Sunday against space United FC. I believe space United FC were finalists or they advanced really far. in uh, when lower league cup had like the battle of the kits last year, I think space United advanced pretty far in that. So, um, um That'll be an interesting kind of, again, a little, little bit of a local flavor in that matchup with the Ford Madison supporters group. I, uh, I like to, I like to imagine Steve Carell is playing for space United. No, he's the man. He's got to be the manager on the sideline. He's got to have the jumpsuit. 
Oh, I, I was I was referencing Space Force the Netflix. Show. Yeah, well, he wears a he wears like a Space Force jumpsuit in that uh, that show, so I feel like he's got to have the Space United jumpsuit on the sideline. I was think I was thinking his military like formal getup. Um, but 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 no, either way, um, I don't I don't think he's actually playing for them. No, no, he's not. I think we can confirm that Steve Carell is indeed not playing on the field or on the uh, control sticks for Space United FC. If if I had to guess, Space United is not tied to the Netflix show and or the military branch in any way, shape, or form. No, I, I think we're safe to assume that. So I, I guess I haven't really gotten official confirmation on that. I haven't looked that deep. But uh, I, I would I think it's a safe bet that they're not. No, you're you're correct, Ethan. Good. Did did good you job. watch the Netflix show? I did not. No. Okay, it wasn't very good. You didn't miss much. I, I see. I was gonna watch it, but then like literally nobody I know said it was good. So I was like, oh, there's there's too many other shows. I can watch Steve yeah. Carell in a good show in The Office on the same. You know, obviously not anymore, but at the time could watch that instead of watching his base for us. And that's what I opted to and, do a lot. So, and now you can watch it on Peacock, on Peacock that everybody totally has Peacock. Hey, we're, uh, we're rolling with the Comcast internet. So we get Peacock for, uh, for free. I, you know what? I, I talk a lot about Peacock and I actually have Peacock premium for free. So, mm-hmm. um, Hey, bit of a, bit of a nerd out here, but, uh, so I'm a huge wrestling guy. Uh, and Peacock is going to be the new home of the WWE Network. I'm paying right now, Ethan, I'm paying $11.99 a month for WWE Network, and I won't have to pay that now that they moved over to Peacock. That's happening in like March. So that's a huge, huge monthly savings for your boy here. I guess, I guess actually Young Rock is on Peacock. Do you watch Young Rock? That's on NBC too. I did not watch it. I saw some of the uh, reviews. I guess it like moves really quickly between like stages of his life. Like they bounce back and forth a lot. And some people were not very uh, uh, fond of that, but I'll give it a shot. I'll probably watch, probably watch it in my own, you know, at my convenience on demand sometime. You know, I'm going to be honest. I probably won't watch it. I do. I do like the rock though. Admittedly, I'm a rock guy. Um, Who's not a rock guy. Like I've right. never heard anybody say they're not a fan of the rock. Like, I feel yeah, like he's I, one of like the most universally beloved celebrities. Yeah. I, I don't, yeah. I don't know. He doesn't have a lot going against him. Right. Like, yeah, I guess like a lot of other is- celebrities have a good amount of haters for whatever reason, but like the rock, I, I don't know anybody who doesn't like the rock. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I guess the mummy was pretty bad. Remember when he was in the mummy? That was okay. That was like his first movie though. And like, unless you knew it was him, you didn't know it was him, right? Like it was like right, super yeah. CGI'd, terribly CGI'd. Awful. So, yeah. But Scorpion King was awesome. His like first actual movie, Scorpion King, fantastic. I, you know, I've like seen The Mummy, but I, I, I should go rewatch. Um, Watch Scorpion King. It's great, great flick. Do you think of The Rock as an actor or a wrestler? I'm such a wrestling fan, dude. Especially, I was yeah. such, especially in that era, I was so into it uh, that it's hard for me to see him as like not a wrestler first. But okay. obviously, 
I would say 80%, maybe even 80 to 85% of people across the planet see him obviously as like an actor first. So yeah, I, for me, it's a wrestler first. I was just on his Twitter and that was the first time I've ever seen him wrestling. You've never seen the rock wrestle at all. Never, never before. Oh my goodness, man. I have to give you some recommendations. He was, I mean, not necessarily wrestling matches, but just like him on the microphone incredible oh he was you know, so incredible okay there there is like one pretty famous rock like gif right of him like with the mic like saying something he said a I lot think. of things on a lot of microphones Ethan. but like there's a famous gif or gif you know what i'm talking about it doesn't matter uh oh shut up b it's probably the rock gif just google it i think the most famous rock gif i've ever seen is the one where he says shut up b-i-t-c-h oh i i guess i don't even know because like obviously gifs don't have sound because they're gifs i guess so i guess Um, it's not a gif it's like a very short video clip people will play on like twitter when they're replying to somebody who they don't like oh okay yeah Yeah, i don't know i don't i don't think our knowledge based on the rocks coming together Um, i don't think it is either that's okay though um you see you see rampage with the rock the like the the monkey one uh no i've not seen that one yeah it's not that good i just i just wanted to ask all right anyways jumanji yeah. was all right jumanji was all right <laughs> jumanji was 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 decent have you seen the second one yeah it was all right it was all right too yeah and not not, not bad those jumanji movies they're not like you know they're not oscar award worthy but they're they're pretty they're pretty good in their own right they're funny they're le- like like i know a lot of us don't have cable anymore and like i never watch cable but they're like peak like if i see it on tnt i'm gonna leave it on and watch yep. the whole thing yep. or just, yeah or just like have it on in the background while i scroll twitter the entire time yeah, yeah, yeah. the yep. the worst part about jumanji is like you can tell where the money went and it wasn't to the actors outside the board game yeah <laughs> you, know what I'm talking, you know what i'm talking about yeah like it the, the it is it is uh baffling the 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 contrast between the the pre-board game actors and the post-board game actors um, yeah it's but uh, the, it's, di- it's literally a different world yeah it, it is it is baffling like they just pulled anybody for that but but anyways uh, All right, let's circle back here to the Lower League Cup. I don't know how on earth we got from Lower League Cup to The Rock, but uh, uh, final today, uh, Valora unfortunately saw their Lower League Cup end as they uh, lost to Tulsa Town. Um, so they bow out in the quarterfinals of the Xbox, or I believe it was the PlayStation division. Um, great run by Yosef and Vlora. Um, I would actually really like to have him on. I think I'm going to have like a lower league cub centric episode here of the pod coming up soon, where a lot of the guys just recap their experience in the lower league cup. Cause, um, obviously it's something great that's going on, uh, especially in a time where there's no, you know, not a lot of, uh, domestic soccer happening on the field. We're obviously running the off season for MLS. So, um, yeah, it'll, it'll be good to talk to those guys about their experience. So I'm um, very excited for that. But yeah, Flora, unfortunately out. But as far as local squads in, uh, forward Madison advanced to the final four, Minneapolis City in the quarterfinals on Saturday. And if they win, they'll actually play forward Madison. And then the Mingo supporters group, Labara 608 in the Xbox second division final on Sunday against the aforementioned Space United FC. So that's what's going down in the lower league cup 
Now, Ethan, it looks like Spam sent us uh, sent us something here. They sent us an ad. Yeah, so uh, Spam FC, uh, they sent us an ad. Obviously, we're partnered with them uh, for their for their for their merch store. Man, I'm so tired of this weirdly wet meat from Subway plus this cold. Well, do I have the alternative for you, Spam? If I'm being completely honest, I'd rather just have normal sandwich meat. Yeah, yeah, same. Wet meat is just the worst. So why did you recommend Spam? Because they have a collection of great hoodies and long sleeves to keep you warm this chilly time of year. Oh, so you aren't talking about the ham. Of course not. I'm talking about shopspamfc.com where you can get 10% off just by using code POD, P-O-D. Man, th- I can't thank Spam FC enough for sending that over. That was that was awesome. Yeah, thank thank Spam. Uh, you know they got a great team of uh, you know marketers over there, kind of coming up with this stuff. Um, Tell you what, those vo- those voice actors were a plus. Who they got to do that? Just fantastic. Yeah, it was it was awesome. Whoever they were able to track down for that. Um, it is a little weird that they kind of forgot. Like we're obviously a podcast, so. You know, you can't really uh, you can't really wink at the camera. A little weird that they forgot that. But overall, great ad. Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, maybe it was more meant for, you know, visual, you know, like TV uh, commercial. But either way, I think I think those voice actors really brought it to life. I mean, just excellent work. Good job, Spam. Yeah, they, thank you, Spam, for sending that over. And, you know, everyone, make sure head over to shopspamfc.com. Promo code pod. Check out. It's 10% off. All right, back to on the field. Inter-Minneapolis officially joins the UPSL. If you've heard us talk about Inter-Minneapolis before, they've played in a few friendlies uh, with other clubs in the UPSL, other local clubs in the UPSL, like FC Minneapolis uh, and others. So they're joining the Midwest Conference North Division with those clubs. So that will be fun. Uh, They're an expansion team for spring 2021. Um, And then again, already competed in a couple friendlies, FC Minneapolis, Turbo Sports, um, so it'd be nice to have another local club, more local flavor in the UPSL. You know, now it seems like a handful of clubs just here in the Twin Cities that are in that UPSL uh, North Division. So that's awesome. Yeah, really exciting. You know, just uh, continuing to uh, raise the level of play, uh, you know, in that uh, in that division. For sure, for sure. And then uh, moving up a few levels in the Sacker Pyramid, forward Madison signs Penn State alum and 2020 MLS Super Draft first-round pick Aaron Malloy. First-round pick in last year's Super Draft, playing for the Mingos this year, Ethan. Yeah, that that's awesome. What a, you know, uh, seems to be a big signing. Obviously, you know, a lot of talent. Um, he, um, yeah, hopefully, you know, jumps on the field, contributes right away. And uh, I, we kind of discussed it last week, right? Uh, uh, Madison, I think, um, uh, underperformed, you know, by their standards and standards of the fans. Uh, so, you know, hopefully Aaron's able to come in, make a difference, and uh, raise, out, raise the team. I think bringing in Coach Carl Craig and now assigning like Aaron Malloy really kind of sets the tone that they are looking to move themselves back at the table and contend for, you know, not only a playoff spot, but, you know, going deep in the, uh, in the USL playoffs next year. So um, he was selected 16th overall in last year's MLS super draft by the Portland Timbers. Um, 2017 though, he was USL league two young player of the year before he even uh, was drafted in MLS. So great pedigree. 
Um, played 15 of 16 matches for Timbers 2 in the USL Championship last year. Led the team in both passes and tackles. And just 24, the Penn State alum, is a two-way player. Uh, brings a lot of flexibility and options for new coach Carl Craig. He really is uh, is a good flex piece uh, for that team. And uh, one of those guys you can kind of plug anywhere and he can he can provide some quality play. So it'll be interesting to see how he kind of meshes. But uh, Ford Madison doing some good things. Uh, a lot of, you know, just one of many good signings for the Mingos as we head into 2021. And, you know, again, like you said, last year was a disappointing year for the Mingos finished way down the table, did not meet expectations whatsoever. Right. So uh, they're really looking to bounce back this year. And I think the signings of not only coach Carl Craig, but, you know, quality players like Aaron Malloy will really kind of help raise that bar. And uh, he has his own Wikipedia page, but he is not verified on Twitter. Oh man. How do we get this guy verified on Twitter? Twitter. If you're listening, Twitter, you got to verify Aaron Malloy. I um, legit. He is, he is for sure a professional soccer player who gets paid to play soccer professionally. I, um, I think like all USL like championship guys are verified. Like, I think that's like a part of it. Um, well, he played in the championship last year. Yeah, he played in the championship last year. He made 15 appearances, according to Wikipedia, because he does have his own Wikipedia account or page. Um, But yeah, anyways, that's weird. I I guess I don't know how it works. Um, But he has his own Wikipedia. That's cool. Would you rather be verified on Twitter or have your own Wikipedia? Oh, for sure have my own Wikipedia. I I don't take any stock in being verified on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. I I think that's fair. Actually, okay. I take that back. If I'm verified on Twitter, that means that Twitter thinks I'm worthy enough to have fake accounts made in, on my behalf, like, like about me. So I guess that would be kind of an ego boost. If I were verified on Twitter, they would think that people would, would find it worth their time to make fake Jeremy rushing Twitter accounts. So. And, and like, let's say like, if you have your own Wikipedia and you do something kind of embarrassing, it's like, going to be on there. And, well, it's going to be on there or like people will go on your Wikipedia, change it briefly, get the screenshot before it gets changed back. And that's like, A, it's really funny, but if it happened to you, it wouldn't be as funny. Yeah. So a verified Twitter does seem like the safe bet. So yeah. Although, um, but having your own Wikipedia page, that's, that's pretty high mark. That's, you know, you're pretty legit at something if you have your own Wikipedia page. What do you think's harder? oh having your own wikipedia page for sure you think so i i yeah Yeah. i think i would i find it more likely that there are people with verified twitter accounts who don't have their own wikipedia page than the other way around yeah i'm except aaron malloy is the uh exception to that so um yeah you're probably right i i guess i'd probably rather have wikipedia despite like the potential embarrassment that could come from that true True. Well, All right. Yeah. Anyways, moving on with the show, Ethan will be back, but right now had a great conversation with equal time soccer's Matt Pravatsky talking all things gophers. You can talk to little St. Thomas, a uh, little D2 and D3 college soccer. So women's college soccer talk right now with equal time soccer's Matt Pravatsky. Hope you enjoy it. We'll be back on the other side. All right. Now it's time to welcome in somebody who uh, really does a great job giving women's soccer a lot of great coverage across the state of Minnesota. It is Matt Pravratsky, the founder of Equal Time Soccer. Matt, thank you so much for taking the time to join the show this week. I appreciate it. 
Thanks for having me, Jeremy. Glad to be here. Yeah, you know, go for season kicking off this weekend. Uh, how are you? How's how, how are things going? And how busy is this time for you? Uh, and especially compared to a normal year? Yeah, this is I mean, it's odd to be ramping into a season in February. I think yeah. you know, the, the funniest part is uh, when COVID shut everything down, it was in sort of the quote unquote, off season for college soccer and the Gophers mm-hmm. are probably my main beat. And so it wasn't necessarily a soccer hot hot spot anyway. You know, it, it, things shutting down in March doesn't mean you miss that much. Mm-hmm. But even not getting to see the one or two spring games a year ago mm-hmm. was the start of sort of this downswing of just women's soccer not being here for Minnesota fans. And yeah. so then it's been, it's wild how long ago, like we actually saw them on the field. And so that to think that the game is actually coming up on Sunday barely even feels real I mean it, it it is really strange because the team has had you know over a year of no games so just like the most ridiculous quote-unquote training camp offseason <laughs> spring season of all time and now they're going to be playing games in the dead of winter anyone mm-hmm. who's been in Minnesota the last week it's been below zero for like five straight days and yeah. we get to play soccer games now so it's it's like about as bizarre as you could you could do for a soccer season so it's going to be but at the same time I'm so excited that they're back on the field I mean I'm sure the team is really excited their season in 2019 was by the numbers their worst season ever their Mm -hmm. worst record ever and so they've had to wait that much longer to get back and show what they can do and have that recovery year and they've had to wait extra long so I'm I'm assuming there's going to be some built-up energy and passion sure I'm sure. I mean, by the time they take the field, it'll be 484 days since they last played a game. So we'll get into that in just a, just a few minutes. But first, Matt, just kind of want to get your background in soccer and journalism. You know, how'd you get started, you know, writing about soccer and, uh, you know, how, how'd that love for covering the game grow? Yeah, I grew up playing soccer since I was at like five years old or whatever and, and played all through um, my childhood. I grew up in in Walker, Minnesota. So it's up, I didn't even know there were different levels of youth soccer until I got to college. And then mm-hmm. people are like, oh, you were playing classic two. I'm like, I don't know what classic two is, man. <laughs> there's only there's only one level of soccer in Cass yeah. County, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So grew up playing for the Heartland Soccer Club, you know, <laughs> uh, and then went and played at Morris, which is D3 in the UMAC. They started a men's team. And so it was only the second year of them having a men's soccer team. So I figured, well, they must not be good. So I must be able to play. Turns out much better players had that same idea. Uh, So I, (laughs) I, I I played one year and then kicked on the football team there for three years. Okay. Um, But I, um, in terms of academics, I was focused on communications and political science. And I was, I was a news director out of college at a radio station And so I have some background in like a very light background in actual journalism. And then I've also just done a lot of communications and writing work. And so by the time I lived down in the, in the twin cities, eventually I started writing for 55.1, which um, did an incredible job covering Minnesota United in the pre MLS years and really filled a gap that traditional media um, had at the time. And now it's easy with, you know, I'm on your podcast and, and I have, and I have shows, it's easy to sort of think now when the market is almost oversaturated with soccer content, but back yeah. then it was a vacuum. And so 55.1 mm-hmm. was a place where 
Um, I did some spot writing. I would, you know, Joe Greenspan came back from the USL and I interviewed him and then I covered and I was sort of the backup for their gopher beat writing about women's soccer. Um, I'd never been to a game at Elizabeth Lyle Robbie Stadium. I'd never seen the Gophers before because they're not really on broadcast television. Mm -hmm. And so I'd never seen them as a kid. I'd never watched them when I was younger. And you go to this stadium and it's this immaculate field, this beautiful small stadium, like a like a 900 seat, 1200 seat stadium up at uh, Cleveland and Larpender. So like St. Paul, um, Falcon Heights, Roseville area by the St. Paul U of M campus. And you go to these games and for years, the Gophers have just been very competitive. So you go and it's, I'm watching the super high level soccer. And the whole time, all I kept thinking is, how have I never heard of this team? Like, how have I never seen coverage? How have I never seen highlights? How have I never seen um, people tweeting about this, posting on Facebook, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so that really, um, that made me want to do everything I could to elevate like elevate this team and cover this team. And so eventually I started covering them for 55-1 and then um, eventually thought it made sense to start a site where the, you know, the women's game had its own space. And so Equal Time Soccer, I started in 2018, so almost three years ago. Um, and the Gophers are easily my, my most frequent beat. They're the highest level women's soccer in the state, but I also cover the WPSL, which is sort of a quote unquote, like summer league with top D1 talent, other amateur talent, um, NWSL reserves play in that league. So I, I cover them. And then I try and cover the other college conferences across the state, but um, it quickly gets tough to cover, you know, all of the NSIC and uh, MIAC and UMAC. So those tend to be more one-off features when I can. Um, but yeah, jumped in from there. And I also really try and cover any Minnesotan women who are playing in the pros, whether that be, um, you know, over in Europe or in Central America, there's actually a lot of, of players who have played in the pro ranks, maybe not as many in the NWSL, but that's sort of a fun way to cover something that truly almost no one knows about. I mean, I don't think that many people understand what, you know, the Costa Rican women's pro league is like. And so if I can interview Annie Williams, I'm going to. For sure. For sure. And so you mentioned going to the stadium and sort of kind of being kind of immersed in the culture and wondering why this was not covered on a, on a more broad scale. Is that where the wheels started turning for developing kind of your own like entity to cover um, women's soccer or where did that, where, where did you go from, okay, writing about this to now developing a full website centered around covering women's soccer? Where did that vision start and how'd you make that transition? Yeah, I think, well, part of, part of being there and just seeing, okay, well, these stands are pretty full. I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of people going to these games. I mean, there's more people go to their games than go to like Minneapolis city or other much shinier, quote unquote, shinier, like men's teams, but they're still not getting much attention. And I realized part of that is just the way they are accessible or inaccessible to different fans. And so I'm covering these games, but they're on big 10 network plus. Mm -hmm. which is a, an extra service you pay for yep. by the month. So you pay 10 bucks a month. Basically the big 10 puts football, basketball, hockey, quote unquote, revenue sports on the mm -hmm. cable network. But even if you have a cable subscription, which many of us, you know, don't, you can't watch any of the quote unquote Olympic sports or non-revenue sports almost at all, unless you pay $10 a month just to watch them. And so I couldn't really blame fans for not tracking this team that much because there wasn't easy ways to do it. So 
the way I covered the team adjusted based on that. So I did really, really in-depth live tweeting where I would take live video and every two to five minutes, I would actually be taking live video highlights and tweeting them in a thread so that people could get more of the game experience um, without paying the $10 a month. And I think um, I heard immediately, even from like, player moms and player parents are easily my biggest following. If anyone is listening to this podcast because I'm on it, it's the, it's literally the parents of gopher soccer players. <laughs> and they, they are, they are my favorite people in the entire world awesome. because they, they have been supporting me since early on, but they appreciated it. You know, I heard from random people on Twitter would DM me because they happened to know someone on the team and they were able to track the game but I think that was the start of trying to figure out where are the gaps right now, where, what things can I uniquely do to help fill those gaps. And then eventually that led to creating the site that was sort of a standalone space, um, knowing that you're only ever going to, you know, when my focus is specifically on Minnesota too, I put up those borders. I wasn't trying to cover, you know, the, um, the women's Bundesliga or like mm -hmm. the US national team. I wasn't trying to do like national coverage because folks like the Equalizer were already doing a great job at that. Now the Athletic has Meg Linehan, Jen Cooper, who was a huge, huge inspiration for me in the way she does her podcast with Mix Zone. Mm -hmm. um, there's already tons of good national people. And so I specifically focused on Minnesota as a way to for say, sure. I'm never going to be good at covering the national team compared to other people, but I can at least cover the Gophers. You know, that was sort of the thinking. Talk about taking those videos at the games. You never got like a cease and desist from the Big Ten Network or anything like that, did you? No, no, I did. I did have the one time I took video of, I took one highlight video of like a, a U.S. national team game while I was in wow. a bar. That got taken down within like two minutes. <laughs> And no, I've never had any problems with Big Ten Network, probably because yeah. they know I'm single-handedly promoting their yeah. extra cost service more than anyone else. Although exactly. I won't spread that too far because the minute they stop <laughs> letting me do that, I'll, I'll lose like half of my my Twitter uh, analytics because it's like Fair the enough. only people follow me is because I actually highlight the games. <laughs> Say no more. Say no more. We'll, we'll, we'll cut that off right there. There, I'll tell you what, the Big Ten Network clearly does not care that much about women's soccer because they're relegating them to the corners of the network. So I do not think they are going to find us on this podcast. I, I do not think they're going to hunt us down. Fair enough. Fair enough. You're probably right. That's probably a safe assumption. Um, so equal time, equalizer. You know, when I, when I first saw equal time, I kind of automatically made that connection. Um, was that was equalizer kind of an inspiration for you, what John Cassif is doing with that website? Or is it kind of just kind of coincidental the well the equalizer and other national outlets are things that i directly support so i mean like i i was subscribing to them i was subscribing to top drawer which is more of like a youth focused mm -hmm. um college focused website that also does national stuff any national outlet that does really good coverage of the women's game i subscribe to specifically because they're doing work that that we aren't and so i you know from the beginning folks like you know Jeff Kasuf and John Halloran and uh, Kelsey and or, or Chelsea and all the all the folks at Equalizer are really sort of laying the foundation, the national foundation that allows even more niche coverage like mine to exist because they're already doing such a good job around the clock, you know, 
like every every day of the year they're putting out content about the national team about the nwsl about top prospects and so that's that's the type of stuff that sort of equal time soccer is built on top of and so yeah they were absolutely an inspiration i mean especially because at the time you know three four years ago they they were like the spot for women's soccer coverage i mean they were doing actual women's soccer journalism and the most anyone else was doing was sort of a part-time gig in, you know, the North Carolina Courage also covers the North Carolina men's team or the the Philadelphia writer, like, you know, John Tannewald also covers like both sides, but they were the place. So yeah, they were a huge inspiration. And they're also just, they continue to do such good work. I mean, it's so, the space is so thankless in terms of like financial uh reward Mm -hmm. it's really such still such a passion project that yeah they were a big a big reason why i said they already exist nationally and so that left this space to try and fill sort of a minnesota gap for sure for sure um so one of the things that i love that you do is the periscope interviews uh with some you know influencers and people around the minnesota women's soccer scene who's your favorite person you've ever interviewed I yeah I think we were chatting a little before we were recording the the insane thing about um women's soccer like the when I say they're not covered enough the the flip side benefit for someone like me is that when you put in an offer or a question to someone they're actually very frequently going to say yes mm-hmm. like at, at a at a rate they objectively shouldn't be saying yes so when I was still at 551 um, the NWSL Players Association was sort of just getting started and, and that, there's still no collective bargaining agreement in the NWSL for the, for the non-national team players. Um, but now they've officially been recognized as the union. Yep. Back then, they weren't even an official union. They were just an association that was representing any player in the NWSL who was not a national team player. And they were, they were, at the time, they were led by Yale Averbush, who was still a player at the time, which is, which is common, you know, the same way Chris Ball or whoever is the head of the NBA Players Association. Mm-hmm. And I cold messaged the NWSL Players Association Twitter account or their, or their website email and said, hi, I cover women's soccer in Minnesota, um, but I, I would love to, you know, interview someone from this group and learn more because I've always been fascinated by especially players unions and um, union organizing in sports because it's union organizing is is hard enough to try and organize workplaces in Mm -hmm. sort of a standard workplace let alone sports where it's so public and the owners are so wealthy and stuff but in the NWSL that dynamic is even more bizarre because at the time the league had not been expanding it had actually been contracting Mm -hmm. And so the dynamic, so I cold messaged Yale Averbush and just said, would you be interested in an interview? She said, yes. She talked to me for like 90 minutes. We'd never met before. Um, And she is just a badass. I mean, she is so, she's been in the league forever. She's played pro forever. She's one of these longtime veterans where you'd never see her in the starting lineup at a World Cup, but she is the type of player that made the NWSL. And when I got to talk to her, I sort of didn't even know how to handle it. I mean, she's yeah. so, she's so, um, she's savvy. She's been in the game, but those players who have been through the roller coaster of women's pro leagues in the U.S. also have a really unique perspective. You know, I go in assuming they're going to say, we need to expand. We need to grow the league. We need to do all these things, but they're actually ridiculously measured. They're very careful because at the time, 
we didn't even have a commissioner. You know, Lisa mm-hmm. Baird is the commissioner of the NWSL now, and there's been growth. The Challenge Cup did well last year. They were the first pro league to return. They had no breakouts in the bubble, all those things. But back then, everyone was so nervous. So talking to her at that time was so interesting because she had a really nuanced take on how players, um, you know, deal with how do we speak for the league? How do we mm-hmm. position ourselves? And then more frequently, I also did get to interview players when the U.S. women's national team played at Allianz Field. I actually got, got to go and cover it, and I got a press pass. But awesome. the thing is, you're not allowed to take pictures with your phone. And mm-hmm. so I have almost no proof of covering this game. All I have is audio. <laughs> I was there, I promise. I mean, I got to interview Rose Lavelle. I got to interview Carly Lloyd. I will tell awesome. you, when you stand across like from Carly Lloyd and she just came off from training, she is, I'm like almost six feet tall. She seemed that tall to me. I don't know if she is or not. Yeah. She she's just there in her train in her like training gear. She is so jacked. She is so imposing. I, I was standing across from Carly Lloyd and I'm like, she is just a beast. I mean, like yeah. she's stand, it, it felt as if I was standing across from like Maya Moore or one of these just like physically large yeah. imposing legends. Like it, I might as well have been standing in front of like Serena Williams. It was so nuts. Yeah. And she's just standing there and she's so, she's giving me shit. Anytime I ask a question, like she's so cool, calm and collected. Yeah. So that was really cool to be able to cover, you know, cover the national team in Allianz Field in St. Paul in the neighborhood I live. That was sort of like otherworldly as well. You talk about, you know, teams being very open to different ideas uh, in the women's soccer scene about, you know, coverage ideas or, or, or fun things to do online. What's the most prime example of that? Like, what's the most ridiculous thing, I guess, that you've you've gotten a yes from in terms of, you know, asking to about coverage or something like that? Yeah, I mean, probably the probably one of the the kookier things that someone said yes to was when Allie Lipscher was you know, she just left to become the goalkeeping coach for Kansas City in the NWSL, but she was the the keeping coach for the Gophers for a while. And she, you know, she played pro. Um, um, she's, you know, she's, 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 you know, played professionally. And yet I'm asking her, hey, would you want to do a field goal kicking contest? And we'll let people place bets on which one of us will win and all the money will go to, you know, like a girl and 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 monarch and all these other uh you know these nonprofits that serve like inner city girls girls of color expanding the women's game all that stuff and she was just like yeah let's do it i've never kicked before so you'll have to tell me how to kick and you know i coached her for all of two seconds and then of course she beat me and which is not surprising because she was literally a professional athlete but i mean stuff like that is just you know what I I'm always trying to do interesting things to bring new people into the into the fold will will some random person who's never followed women's soccer happen to give a crap because it's a really goofy field goal kicking contest you know yeah for for go for soccer games the last season they played in 2019 I I started biking full coolers of beer to this parking lot that was kitty corner from the field that's not technically u of m property and so it's technically not under their jurisdiction so they have no opinion on whether there's beer there or not tailgate so i had a free free tailgate anyone who wanted beers i would bike a full cooler of beer 
to every home game that season and random people did come not as many as I thought for free beer but random people did come and and drink and I was so just anything that I can do to drag two to three to 10 to 20 more fans to the women's game, I will attempt. And if people say yes, I will, <laughs> I will keep trying. So <laughs> fingers crossed in the fall, maybe we can, maybe we can start that back up again, Matt. I'm on board for sure. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so let's talk about the Gophers. Their season, uh, their season kicks off on Sunday at home against Nebraska. Um, like we said, 484 days since the last time they played in a match. How have Coach Golan and the staff kind of navigated this last nearly you know year and a half off season that they've had? It's well, it's been really strange. I mean, the thing is, the NCAA already has really specific guidelines for what you can be doing when. So, for instance you get out of season, you have like a, maybe a break, you know, maybe a a window where you're not interacting with the players almost at all. Or, or if you are, it's only a couple hours a week. And then in this, even in the spring, when you have a quote unquote spring season every year, you know, you can only do X number of hours a week and then it ramps up to something like 20 hours a week. But that's, that's like the hot time. That's when you actually have maybe full-sided scrimmages and then maybe some exhibitions against like South Dakota or other um, nearby neighboring programs. And so there's already this really specific regiment that you have to follow. When can you be recruiting? When can you not? When can you do digital stuff? When can you do in-person stuff? And so that just got ratcheted up a ton during COVID. And so there was a ton of really sort of big milestones that happened to the program, but it was during quarantine. So when Molly Rouse left the Gophers coaching staff and she went to become the head coach at Dixie State, you know, the team added Maya Hayes, who's this, I know you had on the program and she is, she's so, she's great. I mean, we haven't got to see her coach during a season yet, but she's played in the NWSL. She was a ridiculous stud at Penn State. She knows the Big Ten. Um, she's an attacker who understands finishing and this team desperately needs to improve on finishing. Well, they hired her last spring, almost like what, like seven months ago, like nine months ago. Almost. And she, she came in to a time when there's not going to be a game for almost a year. And so Mm -hmm. there were these really big milestones. I think, honestly, one of the biggest things I would say is I think the team did a really good job at presenting the need to be safe during this really sort of uncertain um, health circumstance because there were not big outbreaks with the team um, that that I heard about anytime I was talking to the program. The biggest thing that ever happened was contact tracing stuff where a player may have had to sit out or a number of players had to sit out due to contact tracing. But I will tell you, as soon as COVID hit, when sports were still remaining some level of training, I was really nervous because anyone who follows Gopher sports um, regularly knows that there's the athletic department is sort of its own corner of campus. And because of that, there's actually a lot of sort of cross team interaction. And so not just like who's dating whom and like who's, who lives with whom, but just the idea of there's a lot of interaction at Beerman and in the athletic facility and, and in these other places. And I mean, just the Gopher soccer team, I can think of like a handful of, of women who like, date people on other sports teams and so even if everyone's being pretty careful there's a pretty high risk and so it's been a lot of staying safe it's been a lot of you see the team proactively posting social media content of them wearing the masks having good distancing being careful even out on the field even when they were doing outdoor stuff 
And I think that's the stuff I've respected most that they've really taken it seriously, because to be honest, I've heard a lot of stories about sports that have been not just not super responsible, but actively irresponsible. Mm -hmm. I mean, where MIAC programs were continuing a quote unquote season Mm -hmm. during COVID that they didn't really tell anyone about, but they were playing like actual round robin games. I mean, you know, McAllister decides not to participate or some school decides not to participate, but a lot of other teams are still playing even during the worst of the pandemic. And so I think a lot of what they've done is just try and be really safe, try and make sure the protocols there. But in terms of training, I think what you'll see is certain players took advantage and certain other ones didn't. And I think the other thing we won't know is who had a lot of personal challenges as part of this. I mean, who had family members who were undergoing challenges, who had financial challenges because of this. Those are things we don't know. And so I'm trying to have sort of extra perspective on that of, if someone comes in and they're really not ready to play, could there be some backstory we don't know about? But I think, mm-hmm. I think in general, what you've seen is certain individual players who were able to take advantage did. And I think we may see them take a jump, but it's, I, I got to be honest, I'm sure for Steph Galan, for the head coach of the Gophers, this has been a ridiculously brutal year. I mean, mm-hmm. you have no payoff. You have no games to check how your assumptions are working. You have no games to help show players what they think is, you know, what their assumptions are working. And so it's a brutal time. I mean, it's brutal for everyone, but especially for the Gophers coming off that rough year. I mean, I'm sure they're desperate to get back out there and show that they are better than their record was back in 2019. So what are those, you had mentioned the protocols and they're, they've been following the protocols in the off season. What are the, I guess the big protocols now that they're in season, like, uh, you know, what are they expected to do when they're not playing, you know, when they're traveling, what are, what are their kind of itineraries going to be, you know, what are the specifics as far as that goes, as far as you know? Well, the, the travel stuff this spring, I'm curious to learn more about that. I don't, I don't know a ton about the details of, of their travel this spring. I do know, you know, they specifically didn't allow non-conference games. They didn't even allow exhibition games, which I think obviously makes sense. It's fairly logical how that decision got made. Um, there will not be fans at games for the first three games. So they're playing at the rec dome, which is if you've seen like a bubble dome, Mm-hmm. anywhere anywhere before it's essentially that size of a space so there's not really space for people on the sidelines it also means folks like me won't be there to cover the game in person but again given where they're you know playing indoors again we mentioned at the beginning they're playing soccer in february so they are in yeah. different venues than we're used to for but sure. um no one will be able to be in in there as a fan or as a media member which is i mean it's it's a big deal in part because also the viewing angle will be kind of tough. I mean, there's not a good way to get a, a good camera angle for the games, even if you have the big 10 plus, like I mentioned. So protocol in terms of games, you know, no one will be there in terms of every day, there's actually a lot of stuff going on. So, you know, players have to constantly keep track of their contact tracing as it's happening. So, you know, a lot of the attention on COVID even in like the NBA or other even more established leagues is that when someone tests positive, then they do the contact tracing. But in order for that contact tracing to happen efficiently and quickly, if people are keeping track as they go, it's easier to track once that test result happens. So players have to keep track of who they interact with. They get tested every day. They have temperature checks. They do all these different things. And most of the players actually live with each other. 
Mm-hmm. And so f- from what I've been able to glean from, from the staff, they've been ridiculously responsible. Um, there have not been big outbreaks. And I think, you know, in, in terms of protocol, it's on the road. I'm sure it will be similar. You'll just have to stay in the hotel. Um, there are a couple of tough road trips. I think in particular, one of them is a, let's see, when they go to Penn State and then Rutgers, for instance, yeah. Penn State is on a Thursday, so they're in Pennsylvania, and Rutgers in New Jersey is on a Sunday. So that's one of those where, oh, are we are we just hanging in the hotel in Pennsylvania, yeah. and then we go and we're just hanging in a hotel in New Jersey, but we can't leave and we just have, you know, so there's, there's going to be some hiccups, but I think in general, like you mentioned, it's 11-game schedule there's not that many road trips, you know, a lot of them, I'm assuming they probably drive to Iowa. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm assuming they fly to Michigan, Um, but it's, it's going to be tough. And I think in particular, you know, the university of Michigan's entire athletic department shut down like two weeks ago, because when the new strain of COVID came out, someone had it and they shut down the entire department. Mm -hmm. So we're looking at the schedule now I doubt every one of these games happens, but I, I think probably a majority do. I mean, just because if the Gophers are any example, in general, I would say women tend to be more responsible than men and a little bit yes, sadder. Agreed. Um, and so I, I'm sort of assuming they'll be a little bit more responsible than maybe a generic um, men's team. Um, so yeah, we'll see. So on the field, what are the expectations this year for the Gophers? How do they stack up with the rest of the conference? You had mentioned that they're coming off one of their worst seasons of program history. So, you know, the, the hirings, the recruiting, you know, where does that leave them as we head into 2021? I think, I mean, I think in general, so first of all, in the fall of, of 2019, they had their worst record ever, which I didn't realize until the season ended. And I'm like, oh, this was actually the worst season ever. Because the funny thing is that season was really frustrating to cover, and I'm sure it was frustrating for the team, but there were still plenty of stretches. You know, in a 90-minute soccer game, if, if folks are used to watching a soccer game, you know there's plenty of times where giant chunks of that game, one team maybe has the run of play. Maybe they look better. Maybe they're combining well. Maybe they're getting into the final third but not finishing. There was plenty of stretches where the Gophers actually looked better, in my opinion, then in 2018, when they not only won the Big Ten Conference tournament, they won a game in the NCAA tournament and yeah. advanced. And so, and they had multiple players who are pro level players. I mean, and so in 2019, there were still stretches where I was watching and I'm like, this team is good. I mean, they beat NC State when NC State was a top 10 or, you know, top ranked team. They, they had moments of success. They just were not consistent. And I think a lot of things went into that. There were, there were some underlying team dynamics of some of our top players talent wise are really young. And so they haven't put in quote unquote their time. Mm -hmm. And so then there becomes an odd dynamic of are there older players who, you know, expect to have had a bigger role, even though they maybe don't necessarily have the chops to be, you know, a big 10 caliber starter or whatever. So I think in terms of this season, I think they should go in knowing that 
you know, their three win campaign back in 2019 was far below what they were capable of. I think that team was probably more like just below 500. Yep. Um, and so if they come in this year, they have a couple of good recruits. They, they did lose some seniors who were quality players like Nikki Albrecht um, and folks like that. But when they come in, you know, Marissa Winningstead had a really great Cinderella story of going from deep bench spot sub sometimes starter to really good starter you know they lost players like that but this year i think they should come in ready to be i think they should be competing for 500 or better now this is a really unique season only the top four teams make the big 10 tournament and so it's kind of either you're top four or you're not because the ncaa tournament field is smaller as well but I think they're going to come in ready to play. I mean, you have a lot of returning, um, like really quality starters, like Athena Kuhn on the back line, um, Katie Duong in the midfield, who fans will be familiar with. And then you have a lot of steady starters like Kenzie Langdock, um, Alana Dressley, folks like that who have shown themselves to be really consistent. And so I think the big thing will be, are any of these freshmen able to come in and be studs? And if they are, can you know can everyone else incrementally raise their game and then we can can we get some contributions from these freshmen who are coming in having maybe the single longest freshman preseason of all time you know uh, oh i came on campus in july and now i'm playing games in february this is such a fun college experience can some of those (laughs) freshmen use that seven months of training to now be slightly more game ready and i think nebraska will be a good test because nebraska is not a big 10 powerhouse but they're also not a doormat i mean they they should be a good matchup so i think it'll be a really good test and first game coming back for every team after this i feel like could be a bit of a bit of a wild card you know in terms of like those first 10 15 minutes you know you're probably going to see you know coming out you know 100 you know Mm -hmm. to the wall you know, uh, so interesting to see, uh, see how that plays out, especially early on, on Sunday, but individually this season on the field, who should we expect to really stand out? And are there any gophers on the squad with, you know, potential to play NWSL or kind of take that next step into professional soccer? Yeah, I think, I mean, to your last point too, college soccer is really bonkers for folks who mostly watch the pro game because subbing is essential. It's not unlimited, but it's functionally unlimited. You know, if you're a fan watching, players can come on and off and so college soccer is this really weird thing where usually the first 25 or 30 minutes are the starters but then the last chunk of the first half gets kind of kooky because it depends on how your rotations work and then the uh, again like you said the start of the second half gets crazy and then there's like not so much a shift change but kind of and so the there's a lot of wild card factors but in terms of individuals Katie Duong is easily sort of the um, the shiniest young player we've had in a really long time. Um, she chose the U of M over Stanford and Boston College. And so she's she's a really top level player. She was a starter for the U.S. national team U-20s um, in the spring of 2020, right before COVID shut down. Um, activities you know she helped the U.S. win the CONCACAF championship for the U-20s she was the starting number 10 the attacking midfielder she looked great in that in that tournament Um, and she has been training regularly sort of on and off with the Portland Thorns so not not with a contract but she's from Portland and when she's back home 
you know, more than once she's been training literally with one of the best teams in the United States at the pro ranks. And, and I, I mean, I, I'm not sure how much of this to share, but like they wanted her to play in the games last fall in the fall, in the fall challenge where after the challenge cup happened, there was the fall series and Portland for some reason thought maybe this college player could play with us in this professional game. That's how good she is. I mean, she's, she's a little bit undersized. Um, She's not, she's not necessarily the physically imposing Sam Mewis, Lindsay Horan, tall um, broad shoulders type midfielder that you've seen out of the U S national team ranks, but she is absolutely pro quality in terms of her potential. I mean, I, I don't think there's any question that she will eventually play in the NWSL. It's just more of a matter of where does she fit best because she's, she's, she's fairly small, her stature, she's fairly, fairly skinny. So she's kind of light. She doesn't have that, that grit and that physicality. She works really hard. She's ridiculously smart. She has great touch, but I think, um, her, her best qualities are not her, you know, her pace and her physicality. It's, it's her touch, her technical ability, her mindset, her awareness. She absolutely, I think, will end up playing um, in the pro ranks. I think Sophia Bowman is a freshman who the staff is raving about. Like, she is basically when I, you know, when I'm chatting with them, I say, is she like a taller, more physical Katie Duong, you know, like how, how do I compare her? And for people who have followed the program, you know, they compare her to almost like a, a Molly Fiedler type who she plays box to box. And when I said, oh, so she's like a really good box to box midfielder, they said, no, she's end line to end line. Like she can truly play any position on the field. So she's tall. She has that stature. She has that frame. She's a, re- she's a really good athlete. She might play 90 minutes a game from jump. And which is really rare in the college game only for a midfielder, for someone playing defenders play 90 minutes all the time because you don't like to rotate your back line, but for a midfielder or a forward to play 90 minutes, you have to be a stud. I mean, truly, even in the big 10, you have to be an absolute stud. And she, she really appears to have that potential. So she's someone to look out for. I think if she lives up to that promise, she absolutely would be at that level. And then if you look at some of the older players, like Athena Kuhn has, you know, started off her career as a holding midfielder. She had really good promise from the beginning, used her body really well, you know, used her frame to protect the ball. She would get between the defender and the ball. She had good instincts and now she's moved to center back. She's someone where maybe she doesn't end up in the NWSL, but she's someone who could go over to, you know, Germany, um, Sweden, you know, Serbia, one, one of these international leagues, she's already announced that she's going to every, so this isn't, this is maybe too in the weeds for your listeners, but every NCAA player this year in every sport gets an extra year of eligibility. And so she's already announced that she's going to use her like super senior year, her fifth year to transfer down to LSU and play down there. But after that, I mean, she's someone who could play overseas just because she's been really consistent. Um, So, yeah, I think there's a number of players there. And I think, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they how they work out. One player who I'm obsessed with in terms of we've I've never seen her play is Maddie Baker is an incoming freshman striker. And she's like six foot five. Mm -hmm. I like 
at like legitimately like six foot five. That's t- like, I'm I'm tall and that's taller than me. Like the, the, <laughs> the keeper, the keeper for the Gophers, Maddie Nielsen, is taller than me. I interview her and she's taller than me, and so she's like six one. And there's a picture from training camp when they came back to training in January where Maddie Baker is like half a head taller than Maddie Nielsen. And I, like, I almost, I lost my mind. I mean, she's so big, but she has, she has touch. She has creativity. She can work. She can play on the ball. So she's, she might not even be like a starter this year, but her potential is ridiculous. I mean, she had an offer to, she had a full scholarship offer to play basketball for the university of Wisconsin, like that level of athlete as a soccer player. That's incredible. Um, I don't think there's any such, I don't think there's any such thing as getting too in the weeds on this podcast. You should hear some of the topics that we cover in some of these interviews. We live in the weeds. I, I think this podcast should honestly be renamed in the weeds. Cause that's, that's literally what we do. So uh, no, you can't go too in the weeds with me for sure. Um, so speaking of the NWSL though, uh, now former gopher in Minneapolis city director of goalkeeping, Ali Lipscher just took the same job for Kansas city's new NWSL team. Um, I talked to Tori Burnett, former gopher, also an assistant on the Minneapolis city squad. She talked about her reaction to hearing the news that Ali uh, had taken the job in Kansas city. Um, have you talked to any of the players or other coaches about Ali's leaving and, and what have they said about her impact on the program and what they're going to miss? Yeah, for sure. I mean, Ali, you know, Ali had been with the Gophers for um, at least a couple of seasons, or I guess I'm losing track of time. Maybe it was multiple years, but since seasons weren't happening, it was only one season, but it's she, weird. It's like two years is one season, three <laughs> years is two seasons. It's hard to keep track. But, but she had been around the keepers for a long time and she came in at a time when, you know, Maddie Nielsen had just become a starter, I believe, um, and helped her sort of solidify her role as you know, coming from maybe uh, at, at the time, you know, the Gophers had lost a, a four-year starter and Maddie comes in and she solidifies that job and then grows in that in that position, ends up win, helping win the Gophers a Big Ten Tournament Championship, yeah. saving multiple PKs to win a Big Ten Tournament Championship, defensive player of the tournament. And Allie was here to help her grow in that role. And so Allie was here at a pretty pivotal time. And, you know, her experience, I think the really insane thing about women's soccer is there's so many of these players who have really high level experience who end up coaching at fairly low levels. So like Jenny Mm -hmm. Clark is a former gopher that played in the Bundesliga, the Bundesliga for like six or eight years, like as a starter. And she came back and for a while she was an assistant unpaid coach at Hamlin in the Mayak. And I said to her, and I used to joke with her, I was like, Jenny, do these players even understand like what they have in you as a coach? Like, do they understand that they're talking to someone who not only played in the big 10 and was like an all big 10, all American level college player in D one, but like played professionally in the Bundesliga, one of the most recognizable leagues, men or women in the entire planet. And so, you know, Allie has played professionally. She played in the WPS, one of the previous iterations of the pro league in the United States. She played overseas in Australia Um, and she came back. And when she was coaching here, you know, Minnesota really lucked out in having her here. She moved here because her partner got a job as a journalist. And so, 
I, this is constantly how Minnesota soaks up this talent. Like we, mm-hmm. we accidentally get people because spouses <laughs> work at the Mayo Clinic or they come and they want to get a grad degree at the U of M yep. and, or they, or they work at one of our many fortune 500s, whatever. And we yep. happen to luck into this gem of a person in Allie Lipscher who ends up coaching for the U um, in a volunteer capacity for, for multiple years and so, yeah, losing her is a big loss, but at the same time, she really represents a sort of changing trend in the NWSL and the pro ranks where, you know, maybe previously even head coaches were barely making like a family supporting salary of like, there was a job posting a few years ago where a head coach is making like 40 or 50 grand. That's not a joke. Like in the top pro ranks in the U S that has the best national team in the world, And now we've come from that to where we finally now have sort of full-time keeping coaches, goalkeeper coaches in the pro ranks. And so she, she is going to this club where they have a new ownership group, you know, Kansas city was really successful before they, the team sort of moved to Utah and they were sort of a new team and now they've Mm -hmm. sort of moved back. And again, they're quote unquote, I think meant to be a new team. Um, but the new ownership group is like this Kansas city success story of this husband and wife where they both work in finance. They've made really serious money and, you know, they've, they've brought the team back to Kansas city, which is I think really great for Minnesota fans because we don't have an NWSL team. So the only thing we can hope for is like road trip opportunities. We could, we could go down to Chicago on the Amtrak. We could, you know, we could take the train down to Chicago or we could drive down to Kansas city, you know, a five, six hour drive. And now Kansas city, you know, sporting Kansas city plays at the stadium out by the NASCAR track. I don't know if you've been to that stadium, but it's, it's like, it's the equivalent of, it's like Blaine, but even maybe a little farther out. Yeah, I've been you to know, Kansas like, City where their sports stadiums are, are like so yeah, far from closer. the actual yeah. downtown area. It's like, it's, yeah, a completely different town. It's the NASCAR track, Arrowhead and Sporting, I think are near each other. And actually there is one random barbecue spot there. Yep. Um, yep. And so I've eaten there. But it's it's this crazy thing where the new ownership group has so much financial chops. They're talking about building a downtown stadium and doing these things like for the women's team, you know, like doing mm-hmm. these things where we only own the women's team. We're not some MLS and NWSL thing. And so she's down there with just a fantastic opportunity. I mean, the truth is she could have ended up at some NWSL team across the country, you know, in, in New Jersey or somewhere on the coast but I'm really happy that she's in Kansas city because I actually think, you know, we, we honestly just will not have an NWSL team in the next year or two, whatever it is. I love the idea of cheering on Kansas city. I mean, even their, even their interim branding is great. I mean, they, they specifically said, this is not permanent. We're not doing it on purpose. This isn't our permanent name. This isn't our permanent branding. And yet when they came out with the logo and the colors and the brand, <laughs> I wanted to buy gear. It, it yeah. was so crazy. It's like, you guys are actually already above average. So you might as well just stick with your really nice, clean look. You already got St. Louis but, beat. That's for sure. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, so yeah, I mean, losing, losing Ali Lipscher is a big, a big loss. I think um, they did absolutely as well as you could to replace um, that type of capacity by bringing in Tara Hobbs, who was a four-year starter. She was an all big 10 caliber keeper, 
you know, essentially her entire career. Her, the thing is, it's really hard, especially in, in college, the stats sort of exist and they sort of don't. It's, it's really hard to judge players based on stats. A lot of people focus on shutouts or clean sheets or things like that. The truth is a really good defense can make a keeper look great. I mean, a, and but the there's a few stats that really stick out that I think fans should try and pay attention to. And I try and tweet these out as I find them, but like save percentage is a really great keeper stat. It's not perfect, but it's a lot better than goals allowed or clean yeah. sheets because the truth is the Gophers have always had a really good defense. And so it's always good. Hobbs is an example where her save percentage was ridiculous. It's kind of like, um, God, South Dakota, I think I'm remembering the name right. South Dakota State had this keeper like Maddie Smithers. Her save percentage was like 95%, just ridiculous. Like a dirty yeah. save percentage, crazy performance. A keeper like that can stop shots. They just can. And Tara was one of those keepers. And so her coming in, I think, will be a really big help um, in filling that gap that Allie left behind. And so I think... You know, it's, it's a big hole, but I think um, Tara is really capable of helping bring those keepers along. So let's switch gears now and talk about St. Thomas. Uh, you talk mm-hmm. about the Gophers being your main beat. Well, now you have another D1, uh, D1 program kind of heading into the ranks next fall with St. Thomas. Um, fall 2020 was supposed to be their last season in D3 and the Mayak, but mm-hmm. the Tommies and the Mayak and much of Division Three just aren't having a season this spring due to the, the continued impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. But mm-hmm. they'll co- begin competing in the Summit League this coming fall. Mm-hmm. So what will their quote unquote onboarding process to division one look like in terms of, you know, how competitive do you expect them to be in year one? And how long do you think it'll take a program like St. Thomas to kind of reach that point where they're consistently competitive at that kind of level? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the St. Thomas scenario is really unique for Minnesota. I mean, across all sports, Minnesota is really rare in only having one D one college until St. Thomas joins the ranks. Now, I mean, Hockey is the exception. We have a lot of programs that have a D1 hockey program. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, you know, St. Thomas will be the first full D1 member in addition to the U of M. So we're, it's really rare for a state like us to have that. I mean, Iowa has what, four Division I programs. Wisconsin has multiple. I mean, very similar states to us. And so, I mean, I mean, even, even the Dakotas have multiple D1. So it's like, it's, and they're much smaller than us. So it's going to be really unique. I think people probably have to have a little bit more perspective in, um, in soccer than maybe other sports. I think the thing to remember is programs in, in women's soccer have a cap of scholarships they can offer. So for example, you know, I, these numbers might be wrong, but it's like, it's roughly 14 equivalent full scholarships in D1 that you're allowed to offer, but not every D1 program funds the program enough to do that. So like a power, a power five program like the U of M, they're allowed to offer every scholarship that they have at their, at their, um, you know, that they're able to offer. So, th- so they do do that. But for instance, in division two, where the level is less than that, you know, around, um, God, I'm going to say it wrong again, but it's like, it's like, you know, roughly seven scholarships, whatever it is, those, those are nine, something like that. Those programs don't all get the same budgetary support. And so when you think about, for instance, sports like basketball or football, or even, well, I guess like basketball, football, those are full scholarship sports where when you sign a player, it's a one-to-one ratio. In soccer, every player 
is essentially on a percentage. So the very best players are on 100%. But even really good players might have been signed at 10%, 60%, 80%. Or they might have been signed on books where you're only covering their books or they're only covering whatever. And then within that mess, maybe they had academic scholarships that paid for itself. So even though they were offered a full, they were only costing less than that because yeah. they had academic. So it's ridiculously messy. It's super weird. But all that is to say, I think in women's soccer, which has so many programs, it just in division one, there are over 340 programs in division one women's soccer. So men's soccer has like 40 D1 programs across the country. Women's soccer has so many programs that it's fully developed. There's a full ecosystem where players land where they land. So the jump from D3 to D1 is big. But I think for a school like St. Thomas, St. Thomas already captured a lot of um, financially comfortable students who could have played at low scholarship at higher levels, but they wanted to compete and win. And so St. Thomas is the type of college that, especially in women's soccer, which let's be fully honest, in the U.S. is overly suburban. It's overly, it's overly upper middle class. It's overly upper class. It's a wealthy white sport. And that's like, there are a lot of problems with that. There's a lot of, there's a lot of gaps in that. But the truth is in Minnesota, a lot of the talent is upper class and suburban. And those same students already are the students that St. Thomas captures. So I personally think people are very much underrating how much talent St. Thomas is going to be able to capture quote, sort of by default, because a lot of the same player profile who ends up at the U in part, why they chose the U other than it being successful. They like coach Steph Golan. They like playing for the U, which is like Minnesota's team. They mm-hmm. like all these things. Part of why they st- go to Minnesota is because they want to stay at home. Mm-hmm. And so There's this, I don't think the U of M is going to be impacted by St. Thomas going D1 almost at all. I I don't think a power five school like the Gophers is going to have that big of an impact from St. Thomas being a D1 program. To be honest, the people who are going to very much suffer from St. Thomas being D1 are all of the border schools. So all of the Dakotas, the South Dakota State and University of South Dakota, North Dakota State, University of North Dakota. Iowa, Iowa State, uh, Drake, Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa, all of these programs, Marquette, you know, mm. Green Bay, which is yeah. which is a D1 program. All of these programs are going to lose some of those suburban girls who played for MTA or they played for Maple Brook or they played for BVU or they played for Tonka Fusion Elite or they played whoever these random like clubs they played for. Mm. A lot of these players are going to say, maybe, you know, it's just going to tip them in the direction of choosing St. Thomas because St. Thomas, what they have is a lot of these players, they care about playing D1, Mm -hmm. you know, like either they want to be a star and they'll play in the NSIC, these border players between D2 and D1, they want to be a star and they'll play for BSU, Mankato State. Winona State, Singing Cloud State, Duluth, Crookston, whoever in the NSIC and the D2. Or they say, 
it actually kind of matters to me to say I played D1. Like, mm-hmm. I actually want to be able to tell my kids. Like, I want to be able to tell my family. Mm-hmm. I want it to be in the paper. I want to say I made it. Like, mm-hmm. I spent 10 years trying to make it. And I want to say I made it. Mm-hmm. Those, those players now have an option that's actually at home. And so they can actually play D1 even if they get less of a scholarship or whatever, or they're playing in the summit league, because so that's a long rambling answer, but I actually think St. Thomas will immediately be at least competitive in the summit league. And I don't think it will take that long for them to ramp in to being a fairly competitive program, because I think just capturing the Metro area talent who otherwise gets sucked out to these border colleges I think will actually happen fairly quickly because I think the same player profile that naturally gravitates to St. Thomas now has an other reason to go there. I think there's one thing I've learned from doing this podcast and talking to some of these developmental academies, like you mentioned, is how vast that talent pool really is mm-hmm. here, not only statewide, but but metro-wide here in the Twin Cities too. So I, I think you're right. If they can get a good amount of that talent in um, as a D1 program, they, they should have no problem kind of becoming competitive here pretty quickly. Um, does not having a season here give them any sort of boost in your mind as they've really been able to kind of turn their full attention to their inaugural summer league season instead of trying to balance that planning period with their final season in the Mayak, you know, they've really been able to kind of put all their eggs into that inaugural year one basket. Does that give them any sort of, uh, of edge as opposed to maybe if they were playing? I don't know how much of a difference it makes. I will say, I think they institutionally have made a really intentional effort in building out the infrastructure they need to succeed long-term. So for instance, you know, they're not focused on the starting roster of every team in the fall of 2021. I mean, they're not focused on how can we make the biggest splash this fall. They're really focused on building out the foundation that lets them be a competitive Summit League team in most sports. And, you know, in football, they're in the Pioneer League and hockey. I can't remember if they've sorted that out yet. I think that's still up in the air, whether than the NHSC, whatever. But they, you know, they've hired Ben Frazier away from the U to do fundraising. And he's someone that even I interacted with just going to soccer games. I mean, I would see him at Elizabeth Lowrabi Stadium and he was one of their fundraising and development guys. And he got hired away to St. Thomas. They hired someone who had previously been at like Penn State and other fo- other places. And now he's their, their assistant AD and their full AD is a St. Thomas grad, but he's been in, in athletic departments across the country. So, I mean, I think they have intentionally spent the time trying to grow their department. They have spent the time trying to lay that foundation. And I mean, the Summit League is, I mean, the Summit League regularly will produce a team that can compete in the national tournament, but they, they are a mid-major. I mean, they are a new school, can capably compete there. Um, in soccer, I, I just think, to be honest, their role in the Summit League is going to be really interesting because I actually think other teams will use the St. Thomas games as a recruiting opportunity. So, for instance, if you were the coach at NDSU and you other or even UND up in Grand Forks and you otherwise had to convince uh, a girl who's like a sophomore in Burnsville 
and said, I'm out there to watch a game and said, Hey, Hey, why don't you drive five and a half hours to grand forks and watch us play Bismarck? And the family's like, "Mm, like, I guess we could do that now instead. So the counterpoint to St. Thomas capturing that talent is I actually think those programs are going to take advantage of St. Thomas as an opportunity where they can say, Hey, we're actually coming into town right into St. Paul. We're just up the road. Why don't you come in, you know, watch us play St. Thomas and then we can chat with you right after. I actually think it's also a really unique opportunity for the summit league as a conference in every sport, because the truth is the summit league has a really broad footprint across the upper Midwest, but they don't have a Minnesota team. And so think about all of these athletes, they're going to get more communication with, as opposed to asking them to drive, you know, seven hours to the university of South Dakota campus, which is basically in Nebraska. I mean, like, yeah. Think about how different that is. So I, I think it's going to be a lot different. And I think St. Thomas's position to take advantage. But I also think the Summit League programs outside of them, if they're smart, are also thinking, oh, wait, we can also have like an unofficial, unofficial visit with these Woodbury kids while we're in St. Paul. You think of every other D1 conference too, they kind of have that hub city, right? Like the Big Ten has Chicago and Indy, you know, the ACC has Charlotte, the SEC has Atlanta, you know, for the Summit League, Minneapolis really is that kind of central hub city. And now there's an actual team in the Metro to sort of facilitate that. So I I think you're right. I think that could really play a huge factor. And, you know, I could definitely see, you know, after this pandemic's over, God forbid, uh, you know, they actually start having, you know, like summit league tournament, like championship tournaments here in the Metro here in Minneapolis, you know, things like that. Um, you know, I think that could really be a huge boost to the recruiting, both for the conference and obviously for St. Thomas as a whole, kind of being that hometown team too. Um, let's move on now to what you're doing at Equal Time Soccer. You know, as we get into the Gopher season, as we kind of move into the summer, where there's actually going to be consistent, hopefully consistent soccer being played on the field. Um, do you have any big projects, features, et cetera, we should be looking out for coming up on the, on the site? Well, on, I mean, just this week on Thursday, I don't know when this posts, but on, th- on Thursday this week, we'll have a big Gopher preview show, um, you know, trying to talk to Steph Galan, the head coach of the Gophers and other players. But otherwise this season, um, you know, just trying to cover the, the Gophers as well as we can. And otherwise, I think, you know, this summer we try and, we try and cover the WPSL, the, the summer league as, as best we can. There's a lot of Minnesota teams there. Yep. I think, Um, you know, the biggest thing I try to remind folks of is, you know, we, I cover the Gophers because they're, they're the highest level of, of women's soccer in the state. But the truth is there's college programs everywhere across Minnesota. I mean, I, you know, I grew up in, in Walker, just South of Bemidji state in the NSIC. I went to school in Morris, which is in the UMAC, which is D3, um, you know, in the Metro area, there's plenty of Mayak schools across the state no one is really more than like 90 minutes from a college program that they could just try and track and try and support. And, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of these programs are really solid on social media. They post to Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Um, And a lot of these conferences actually, other than, you know, I mentioned all the hurdles to watching the Gophers, but please subscribe to Big Ten Plus if you can. But the a lot of these programs actually stream for free. I mean, the NSIC has their own streaming platform and um, we didn't talk about them a ton, but the Division II Northern Sun Intercollegiate Conference 
is one of the best D2 conferences in the entire country for basically every sport, but for women's soccer, it's especially true. Mankato State is great. Bemidji State is great. St. Cloud State has, has, has um, you know, come up recently, but they, they have programs across the entire state. I mean, basically yeah. any public college, a lot of them are in that D2 um, conference and their games stream for free. I mean, just mm-hmm. uh, all I would ever tell anyone is like, try out a game, you know, um, and just, and just see, see what it's like as mm-hmm. someone who used to go to Minnesota stars games before they were Minnesota United. Yep. I will tell you the quality of soccer was not always like that outstanding. And mm-hmm. yet, and yet NS, NSC and Blaine had 5,000 or 7,000 fans in it. I will tell you, there's many times when I watch Gopher women's soccer and the quality of play is better than quote unquote, like pro men's soccer. Mm -hmm. Um, So just be willing to give it a chance, go in, be a supporter, give it a try. All right. Well, uh, Matt, thank you so much for taking the time. Matt Pravatsky from equal time soccer. Um, Let us know where people can find equal time and how they can interact with you guys and support you. Yeah. Easily our most active um, coverage is on Twitter. So if you find equal time soccer on Twitter, um, that's going to have the most up-to-date stuff, but we also have a Facebook page, equal time soccer, um, the website, equaltimesoccer.com. Um, and any, honestly, you know, the biggest thing I would tell people too, is if you're curious about certain stuff that we're not covering, that I'm not amplifying, shoot me a direct message, shoot me an email, um, you know, leave a comment wherever. I think the the biggest thing is, you know, it's a fairly small space and I, I'm always interested in, in doing more. And so, it, you know, if you're really passionate about this, we have a Patreon you can support, but otherwise, honestly, even just tracking stuff you care about and letting us know what you want to see more is, is super helpful. So anywhere you find us, if you search equal time soccer, you know, we have podcasts on any podcast channel. Um, but those are, those only pop up once in a while. So Twitter is probably the, the easiest place to find us. Eyeballs and ears. Anytime I tell anybody, somebody asked me how they can support a local soccer club or whatever, I was like, watch them and listen to them. You know, that that's really, a, that's the, that's the first step. So uh, Matt Pravatsky, Equal Time Soccer, like you said, equaltimesoccer.com is where you can read his stuff. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really do appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Jeremy. Appreciate the chance to be here. And thanks for amplifying um, soccer like you do. That interview on 10,000 Pitches was presented by our friends at PodMN. I want you to go to your Apple App Store or your Google Play Store, whatever kind of phone you have, and type in PodMN, P-O-D-M-N. Hit that download button. Then when you go there, I want you to search for Minnesota soccer. You will find that in that dropdown, have all your favorite Minnesota soccer podcasts right there in one place. I'm looking right now. We have Sound of the Loons, Crafty Rogues, Equal Time Soccer, uh, We Call It Soccer, the Minnesota Soccer Podcast, 55-1, the Daves I Know, all right there. One stop shopping for all your favorite Minnesota soccer podcasts. And also, I got to admit, 10,000 Pitches is on there too. And it's more than just soccer. It's more than just sports. They have Vikings, Twins, Gophers, Timberwolves podcasts. They have local true crime story podcasts, local news podcasts, local entertainment podcasts from Minnesota creators, Minnesota podcasters, all in one app. And I haven't even gotten to the best part yet. The best part is that you can actually win prizes just for listening to podcasts. Go to your Apple App Store or Google Play Store, download PodMN, and go to PodMN.com to learn more.
Thanks again to Matt Pravatsky from Equal Time Soccer for jumping on. And again, if you want to watch the Gopher Soccer opener against Nebraska on Sunday, that's on 1 p.m., but you do have to subscribe to BTN+. Plus. But a perk is if you do subscribe to BTN+, Plus and you watch that game, you will hear Matt Pravatsky himself on color commentary for the broadcast. So that's kind of cool. Matt's uh, Matt's doing co- doing color as they say in the industry. <laughs> I think um, is that what they say, Ethan? I don't know. You think you could do color commentary like over what sport would you pick? If you could I do mean, anything? I was in sports broadcasting in college, so I've done color color commentary for oh. football, basketball, baseball, softball. So I do have experience all, play, all- doing play. I much prefer play by play. But I can't do color if I if I have to. I'll uh, I'll give you my top three where I think tonight I could go and color commentate, play by play commentate over these sports. Basketball number one. one. What was that? Basketball one. Basketball one. Yeah. Curling yeah. two. No, I, you don't yeah. know enough about. There's so many ins and outs to curling. You don't know enough about no. Guaranteed, you don't know, you don't know enough about. Stuff. Let me, let me. I, uh, I play shuffleboard. I've played a decent amount of shuffleboard. Okay, I lived in Duluth for a year. Okay, you played curling in Duluth. No, I've played shuffleboard, but oh. I lived in Duluth. Oh, okay. okay, which that counts for something. Uh. And, and I've watched it in the Olympics. And. I'm not disrespecting curling. I think it's a cool sport. You're not disrespecting curling. You're disrespecting curling commentary. I'm not even disrespecting them because I think That's they right. could do a better job than me, admittedly. But you could do, you're saying you could do like a serviceable job? I think I could do a serviceable job. And I, I, think I, I, do, I disagree. Maybe, maybe I should do this. Maybe I should backtrack the, my initial statement of I could do this to I would enjoy doing this. <laughs> That's a completely different thing. So basketball would still I believe be you in that you could do basketball. You yeah, do know could, a lot about basketball. I think I could do all right. I think I would enjoy curling quite a bit. I would enjoy commentating over curling. Yeah, but you would not be a good curling commentator. I would be a Two bad curling commentator. I would be bad, admittedly. <laughs> and then number three, I think I could color commentate over us recording this every Wednesday. Like, as if I was like, like we were talking and then a, a, another me. That's just commentary. That's not even color commentary. That's literally just commentary. Okay. Okay. That's fair. Fair play. Uh, um, okay. And, and that probably does it, I guess. So basketball and curling. You couldn't do color commentary for soccer? Well, I, I'm sure I could. I don't know how much I'd enjoy it though you know well i guess my i was more going like okay what like in terms of how good a job you could do like how effective you could be oh yeah okay well then then i think i could be all right at soccer yeah yeah okay but i don't know how much i'd enjoy it you know yeah like i don't well, know so, okay because for example like if i were to do color commentary baseball would probably be the one like number one for me because i played baseball the longest of any sport so i know the most about it right i don't i, I wouldn't i wouldn't enjoy it as much as the other sports like i would like basketball would probably be my, be my number one and soccer would be a close second but 
like I would probably be best at baseball because I played it the, the longest and I know the most about it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that's a fair way to break it down. Um, no. So admit it. Okay. Yeah. I, I think I prefaced my, uh, my abilities wrong, but um, curling would be fun to, to round that one off. For sure. For sure. All right, Ethan, now it's time to get to our award-winning segment, Nice Reviews. We'll bring up the music here, as you requested last week. What'd you think of right. the, what do you think do you think of the music, by the way? Of the of the pod MN music? No, of the nice reviews music. Was there nice was there nice uh, nice reviews music? There was. You didn't okay. you didn't listen to last week's episode? I, I listened to last week's episode. I guess, okay, I shouldn't fault you for not listening because you literally, you lived the episode. So, like, I guess I shouldn't fault you for not listening to an episode that you were part of. But, yes, there was music last week. I skim it. I skim it. But I'm going to I'm gonna emphasize listening to the music uh, this coming Friday. I think it really fits the, the vibe that we're really looking to develop with this particular segment. Of course, of course. Um, so anyways, yeah, let's get into it. Once again, if you'd like to be featured on this segment, uh, you know, go ahead, leave a nice review at podcasts.apple.com forward slash 10K or 10,000 pitches, maybe. Or if you live in the year 2021, just go to the podcast app on your Apple iPhone. Or do that. I use Spotify and we don't have that feature. Uh but yeah, like, like you said, 2021, use the app. Um, once again, a lot of stars, little bit of words. That's kind of how we go about picking these. Um, so from our friend, Mike13MD, subject reads, great podcast. Uh, the rest of the message reads, great podcast, period. Enjoy listening to it all the time. Thank you, Mike. Uh, thank you. That's, that's, that's the ideal type of review. Like it's few words, but it's enough words where it's descriptive, right? Like I want, I want descriptive reviews, but if you can be concise and show a little bit of brevity in your review, that's like most ideal. It's, um, you know, show don't tell. And Mike just showed. Yes. Um, agreed. So like we said, a lot of stars, a little bit of words. Uh, thank you, Mike. Thank you to everyone that leads a positive review. All right, before we get to shots, Ethan, tell the people about our uh, our partnership with Bateau FC. That's right. Uh, Bateau FC, uh, they didn't send us an ad this week like spam. Uh, once again, thank you to spam. Um, but uh, yep, shop, or BateauFCshop.com. That is B-A-T. E-A-U-X-F-C shop.com. Um, you know, a lot of great stuff over there. Um, they're doing great things for the, the Eau Claire community and the Eau Claire soccer community. Um, so this is a great way to support uh, lower league s- soccer. Um, more designs coming. Um, I know you guys have heard that one before. And don't forget to use sh- uh, code POD, P-O-D, for 10 percent off your first order also if you don't want to remember batofcshop.com if you go to their website batofc.com and you click the shop tab the products are right there too fancy schmancy 
because shop is the hard part uh of you know, sometimes this is easier and all their information's there on the website so go to you know if you don't want to go to batofcshop.com learn more about batofc at batofc.com and you can also click the shop tab and do your shopping right there on their specific website just giving the people options ethan that's what we do they they do have a great website admittedly so you should go to their website perfect all right shots what you got ethan zero one zero zero, zero. That's right, audience. Turn it you on your camera. You can't just guess zero every single week. Because you know That's I'm going right. to make at least one. That's right, right audience. Gotta, turn on your camera. I got to move this over so you can actually see what I'm doing here. Just like you're going to move the audience over because they can totally see this. All right. One. No. Two. Off. That looked like a miss. Bounce back. That sounded like a miss. I got two. I'm getting good at this. Actually, that's really all I do all day is sit here and just shoot at this hoop. So, at least you're honest. I got the form your, down. Um, all right, wrapping things up like we always do. Minnesota Music Spotlight, uh, fellow soccer podcaster in Minnesota, being featured this week. Um, go listen to the Minnesota Football Show. Follow them on Twitter at MN Football Show. Uh, this week, Eric Silva Brenneman. Hope you enjoy it, and we'll catch you next week. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Matt Pervatsky from Equal Time Soccer for joining the show. Thank you to everybody who subscribes, rates, and reviews. Thank you, Ethan. Appreciate you as always, and we'll catch you next week. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. Have a good one. person one you're person one so yeah like add a little add a little pizzazz to this okay there's where my voice acting really comes into play yeah here we go (laughs) (laughs) i haven't read it yet to be honest yeah no no no. you love it (laughs) all right yeah <laughs> this is my <laughs> uh, the classic bait and switch ad. You know, uh, man, I am so tough. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Lock the it out, in. The outtakes of this are going to be absolute gold. <laughs> Lock it in. All right. All right. Here we go. <laughs>